to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the only book club podcast that honestly, truly has not seen a firefly in many years. Where did they go? Where are they hiding, Amanda? Do we live in the wrong part of the world? <laughs> I actually, it's so funny. I, I do have fireflies um, in, in my yard. Nice. Are they, yeah. It's a, I'm assuming, seasonal phenomenon. It is, yeah. Um, and it, like, apparently the more fireflies you have in your yard, like, it's supposed to be the better um, your lawn is as far as, like, health. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, they only, they only come to what the bougiest yards. Anyway. Mm, <laughs> only the most well-kept. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, my yard is so bougie. Not at all. M- meticulously uh, <laughs> manicured yards only. Really, really nice shrubbery. No, I think it's the most, like, overgrown and just naturally kept. <laughs> so so by many definitions, the worst yard then. Yeah. <laughs> by, it depends on if you're talking to your housing authority, neighborhood, whatever that's called, the board, or if you're talking to, you know, animals <laughs> right? <in> nature. <laughs> yeah. Nature yeah. likes my yard a lot. <laughs> that's great. Love, love a weed. I, for one, don't have a yard, so I just need to get out there more. I think I also it's a time of day thing. I tend to get my outdoors time in like earlier in the day, so right. I need to go out more at night and yeah. wander the nature around me and see what I can find. If you have Yeah, in the summertime, yeah. you can come to my yard and help my daughter catch fireflies because she loves doing that. Is that a cruel and unusual thing? Is that, is that too harsh? Um... <laughs> With some kids, they they don't know how to be gentle, and they end up just like smushing them and killing them all. Um, mm-hmm. But but my daughter, I've taught her actually to like cup her hand and move gently upwards instead of slamming them down. Got it. And, okay. Um, yeah, and we just immediately release a lot of the time. We just want to look and cool. then release. She, she knows the ancient secret techniques then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Inherited from on high. Let's not kill everything technique. <laughs> yeah, that I think with nature is probably the best approach. Let's at least start there, and we can work backwards, perhaps. Exactly. Excellent. If you have uh, no clue why we're talking about fireflies to start the episode, you've stumbled upon a book club episode on World of Wonders, a book by Amy Nazuka Mutatil. We agreed on that pronunciation, I think, right? Yeah, and so we're here today to discuss and analyze the second half of that book. Um, We are, as I mentioned at the beginning, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at that handle, all one word, so just at the Lightly Literary Podcast. Follow us for updates on what we're reading. We post the schedule there and some promotions, just basically light reminders of what we're reading and things to promote the books and let you know what we're up to and what we're reading. If you don't know what a book club episode is, you may have stumbled upon this in error. That's okay. These are the book episodes where we analyze things and deep dive and pick them apart. So if you do not want this essay collection spoiled for you today, or at least the back half of it, perhaps uh, press pause on this episode and go check out our book recommendation or our part one episode. All of that stuff is up in the feed, so you can always come back and <clears throat> revisit whenever. Um, whenever you get around to reading, really, we're here at your leisure. If you are into this for the spoilers, for the full discussion, for the analysis, then stick with us. You're in the right place. We'll be discussing, as I mentioned, the second half of World of Wonders, which is an essay collection I think you have here, Amanda. It's from whale shark to firefly redux is that right yep not that it matters too much those are the essays we'll be kind of picking from and choosing between and discussing but ultimately we're just going to talk about the whole book at this point (laughs) so at this point we finished it everything will be up for discussion shall we get to the book club amanda you ready let's let's do it 
All right, let's talk some essays. We're going to treat this just like a short story collection, uh, and much like Book Club Part 1, where each of us chose three of the essays to analyze and discuss, so we've got some things prepared. We'll briefly summarize it and then get to some analysis on each. We tried to pick ones that interested us the most, so let's dive in. I guess I'll start again, shall I? Yeah. Dragon Fruit, then. Starting with Dragon Fruit. This is the first one I picked. This one is pretty loose in structure, um, but I'll do a brief summary. Um, The author begins by kind of remembering a time in her life when she was mesmerized by the color and the blooming of a dragon fruit. She was kind of enchanted with them at a young age and even it's kind of like an early adult. She discusses certain qualities it has, like a rich color and but muted flavor, so a bit of a contrast. Also, like the the shell casing it has on it is really pretty wild looking. Um, She then concludes the essay with just some ideas about how the fruit can be used to kind of soothe your pain or even your skin like it has many applications and she just briefly discusses them an oddly impersonal one i found this one to be one of the least personal also no coincidence for me my reactions to the back half of this book are pretty similar i thought it was one of the best ones i liked it because it's (laughs) i didn't feel like it was reaching for something it could not attain it was just like Mm -hmm. this is a fun bit of writing about something she clearly you know admires or thinks is interesting looking i think this and one we'll talk about later evoked her best writing in the in the collection i guess i'll start since i chose it but with some quotes or some ideas she discusses at some point the kind of i don't know the appearance of it um yeah let me just read the quotes here on 114 to get this intensely colored fruit we begin with one of the most ethereal displays of blossoming i've ever witnessed the flowers bloom in full for just one evening that means they have one precious night to be pollinated by a batter bee and turn the flower into a dragon fruit otherwise the six inch greenish white bloom wilts by sunrise a whisper of heat and bat wing rattling the crumpled pale blossom and then the next sentence is a little bit down Um, There's nothing fake about the alluring dragon fruit. The bold pink is due to a rind chock full of lipocene, or lysopene, giving it the scene-stealing shock of color. Each fruit grows about three to four inches long and is dotted with tender and supple green leaves like scales on the... um, I always struggle with this word. Is it eponymous? Eponymous? I know it means the name of the thing. (laughs) It's like... Yeah, eponymous. Eponymous (laughs) dragon. The ghostly white insides carry tiny black seeds, making it similar in appearance to a kiwi. In fact, its texture and taste are often compared to a muted kiwi, not as sharp, but still sweet, especially when chilled. I mean, it's chock full of scientific facts, to be fair. Like, that's just a lot of her giving us science, and I think... To me, when this collection worked well, it was because she's an entertaining and clearly intrigued, like, in her own way, staring in wonder at some things of nature, and so... I think the moments when she's describing nature and letting herself loose and just kind of leaning into the science of it, it works well. And there's just a lot of, you know, well-observed. Some of it's pretty subtle, like saying ghostly white insides and trying mm-hmm. to evoke that kind of eeriness, intense intensity of it. Um, tender, supple green leaves. It, it's not overbearing. I don't think her writing ever reaches for, and maybe for my money or my... Um, not money, but for my liking, literary liking, I would have maybe liked her to push some things a little further, but so it's not very, like, it's not going to disturb you, the writing. It's not going to shake or rattle you in a good way, but it's also just kind of like, yeah, this is a pleasant way to learn about this food. Yeah, I I, I like that. It is a pleasant way to, to learn about all the things that um, she writes about. She has a, a very mm-hmm. nice way of incorporating facts that don't, like, overwhelm you with like how overly scientific it is or anything like that and and it's interesting facts facts that um 
that are that are interesting and maybe things that we wouldn't think to ask about certain flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I find interesting. This one didn't at all. I mean, there's a nice little paragraph after it about a cocktail you can make, and she concludes with some ideas of its applications. But it was definitely one of the lowest stakes essays in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, what I really liked about it, too, is actually the the first paragraph where she... This is where she actually does tie it back to her... Um, herself and makes it more personal is is actually just the first page the first two paragraphs where it's more about general general reminiscing about a particular time in her life and how how the dragon fruit kind of represents certain memories for her but she's not going super in depth with those me- memories it's more of just like a sketch of the the basic feelings and the atmosphere that comes to mind for her when she sees or tastes um, mm-hmm. Dragon fruit. Um, so I, I thought that that was really well done. Um, I'm going to read some of it because I just I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, the neon pink of a dragon fruit screams summertime. Pop music, sunglasses balanced on the top of my head. Weather too warm for socks. It means vintage MTV and stretchy spheres of bubble yum popped and snapped in the back rows of a school bus. It's electrocution. It's the shade of lipstick I was never allowed to wear full of pearl powder and unpronounceable chemicals, the shade worn by Boy George, Whitney Houston, and various members of Duran Duran on the album covers I cherished most. So nostalgic, and what a great... For me, I could definitely visualize all of that as I was reading it, and I really appreciated that. And it's still a tie to her, and it still kind of fits with the memoir-esque kind of writing mm-hmm. that she's got going on here. I mean, it's it's the memoir parts are all really sketchy, and this is probably like the the sketchiest type that right, or the sketchiest right. example that we have here. But I think that the feeling there and just the the imagery there is something that I think really pops for me. Yeah, the sketchy nature of it to me is is working for sure because I don't. The other chapters obviously delve into much more serious topics, but since they're all brief, since they all only kind of skim at ideas without... I mean, that's kind of the challenge and the fun of it, too, is that it moves along from thing to thing. But yeah, this one just worked for me because I it, it had some evocative imagery, like you noted, too, and some clear connections the to her life, to the you know things she was, wasn't allowed to do or was <laughs> permitted. And yeah. yeah, you get these little snippets of background, but it's definitely the focus is on kind of the interest with this food so yeah i I felt like i had to pick that one it's it's quieter in its ideas i suppose but i don't know it jumped out to me for sure i enjoyed it which fits with her description of how it's like it might look really bold on the outside but it's actually quite mild on the inside right indeed perfect (laughs) um so the one that um one of the ones that i chose was um flamingo in part because this is like one of my daughter's favorite animals. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so this one is the general structure of this essay is to alternate paragraphs between flamingo facts and memories of the author's time in college um, as an undergrad because she did go on to get higher degrees um, until the end when she ruminates on her worries for the stu- the students she is now teaching. She begins with some fun facts about flamingos and their movements and looks, which she compares to her college freshman self. And there's a lot of like 
dancing and awkwardness, especially because she felt like she had really long legs that just didn't fit her body. Mm -hmm. Um, She goes from being fairly lighthearted to this terrible story of a man killing a flamingo in a zoo in front of a bunch of kids, Mm -hmm. uh, which then leads to comparisons to the vulnerabilities of unsuspecting college women who are just out and about having fun and possibly also being abducted and stuff. Yeah, there's kind of a... Sorry. There's kind of almost a fiction... It's not a story, though, because she doesn't make it like a full narrative or a full story, but there's almost a feeling of like imagining being followed or something. I don't know. It's She just doesn't go all the way with that idea, but it's these interludes of like, yeah, being followed, being pursued almost. Yeah, and and like memories of, for her... um, on page one nineteen and one twenty, she she says that there were women in, during her time in college that never made it home that she would hear stories about, and she just thought that it was part of like growing up in the nineties, you know, being uh, a part of the nineties. But then, like continuing that and and figuring out, like, well, that's actually just a, a part of like the society um, where women are often preyed upon, and then worrying about her own students there at the end yeah i think the quote i pulled for this or the moment is the interjection with the man who kind of in a blind rage i don't i don't know a strange moment of frustration confusion maybe even like a mental break of some breakdown of some kind right but murders the flamingo in front of the children and kind of destroys this innocent beautiful fun image for people um, yeah. So he was acting somewhat erratic, pacing back and forth, but he reached in and anyway, yeah, kills it. I, I don't know. It. This also hit me as a moment of sort of not thematic confusion, because obviously the kind of unwanted attention of a man, the ever omnipresent threat of this, this idea that you never know when you're being pursued or being, I don't know, mm-hmm. looked over, picked at, whatever the, you know, uh, uncomfortable phrasing would be. I, did it? The interjection feel right though, because these transitions, I, I'm still, I still bumped up against a lot of that in the second half, where I just don't know if I see, I don't know if I'm feeling the transitions, or it's like the, the thread is a little bumpy or something. Like it doesn't feel seamless. It feels kind of rough to just throw that in there. Um, I don't know. Did, did you enjoy that interjection? I I was shocked by it for sure, I, and I think that maybe that was the effect that she was going for because it is like she created this almost like dreamlike atmosphere beforehand, like this this fun place to be the 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 zoo with the flamingos and the flamingos are just all like having a good time, hanging out with each other, you know, being very peaceful, just like she's doing with her friends at the dance floor, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have this dude who's just like murdering a flamingo um and it's like the special flamingo too pinky so it's right. a Beloved. named flamingo <laughs> um yeah i guess so yeah. I, I think it meant it was meant to be jarring from from this sense of peace and like fun to this horrific act i think i wonder then i'm just looking back at some of the writing because i hadn't thought about this until now i guess i just think why not put some of the I don't know, like creative effort into describing her dance moves or I know there's the paragraph little aside about how they like balance on legs. So one's always warm and cold or I, 
I don't know. I'm left thinking again. There's just some connection missing between the elements. Like I don't. Mm. I get the thematic stuff, and I you can't really misread an interjection like that. But it yeah. just. I don't know if it's. I don't know. It, it doesn't have a. It lacks a certain creativity or something. I, I feel like I'm missing these connections, or I'm just not feeling. The f- I, I was gonna say fun. That's not quite it. But the stylistic flair of it, it just doesn't feel. Mm-hmm. It feels rather dryly presented in the because it transitions in and out so kind of brusquely or abruptly. It's just kind of like, well, where's the? I don't know. Where's the creativity here? It's anyway. Yeah, I. I it was definitely an intense moment, though. <laughs> Strange, like rip from the headlines. She also doesn't. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering. She doesn't pull a ton of current eventsy stuff out. Does she? Like, this is like a rip from the news headline story. I wouldn't say it's like a dominant element of her style. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I didn't see too much as far as like current events. So it's just kind of like a really strange paragraph summary of kind of, I mean, it's, you know, current event more or less. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was wondering too when I was reading this, I was like, I wonder how you would react to the, how you reacted to this one because. Um, so with Dragon Fruit, the only like memoir esque parts are actually the first two paragraphs. Totally. But the way that Flamingo is um, structured is that it's it alternates. So you have one paragraph that's a fact about a flamingo, then it goes to her um, in college, and then it goes back to the flamingo, then it goes back to her. So it's actually mm-hmm. alternating for most of it until the end, which is just like um, big reveal of like her fear for her own students um which is a reflection of the fear that she did not feel when she was younger mm-hmm. yeah and so I, I was just I, wondering did you think that it was better yeah. organized this way or was it more effective less effective i or? appreciate it i do think there's another one we'll talk about shortly that it took a st- bolder stylistic kind of choice that i did not so much enjoy the back and forth i think was okay I, again it was because again i have to open it up now i feel like we're picking at this more than i thought we would <laughs> in a good way <laughs> i just have to sorry i simply keep pausing to open the book again but it's like aren't her interjections not about her it's about like a student they heard about oh the the someone called the police to say they yeah. found her body yeah someone yeah, the, said she was just finishing somebody up. else mm-hmm that she had heard <sighs> about she didn't even know the person like maybe if that was done I don't know. See, I don't know why I'm editing it this way, I guess, because you asked. But it's just like, maybe if those things were interjected between a night that she went out, but we kind of jump around in time, like the final two paragraph interjections are about like her as an adult, you know, woman with kids seeing co-eds go through this and like take these, I don't know if I want to say risk, it shouldn't be risky to go dancing, but it's to, to live the same way freely and perhaps be, have these threats lurking, um, I don't know. I guess it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I want, but it's like, I, for as much as I complain about the connections between nature and her own life not working, it's like she she goes in with the legs thing. Let's let's poke at this, I guess. The legs thing is the most obvious connection between mm-hmm. her and the flamingo, long-legged. Maybe for her it was awkward. For flamingos, it's elegant. Like, she doesn't do a full even paragraph about the legs, like her wobbliness. There's the stuff about the Tylenol and, like, the pain, but, like, do you get a sense of how she dances or do we feel like we have a moment of, I don't know. It just, 
the focus i'd have to go like full editor brain and like pick at this for a while to for me to know fully what's not connecting but it seems like the ideas are just not the ones i would have chosen i I feel like a lot of the times in these essays that's how i feel where it's like the focus is not where i would have put it or would have asked to see it so i don't know it does feel still kind of jilty to me like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not finding a flow with the I, with the way she wants her ideas to go. I guess, and I there are moments when I'm like, oh okay, like let's see you on the dance floor. Like let's really get into the you know the motions of it. And she does that for half a paragraph, but then it's like all of a sudden she's an adult. At the it just the scope of these two, I think, is part of it that feels off to me. Like it feels, I well, I'm going to spoil something from the book recommendation, but it's. It feels like the ends of the episodes of Sex in the City when she sits at her computer and kind of in that cliched way is like, and yada, like it's trying to wrap things up too much. It almost feels like she does too much in the space she gives herself to in a lot uh-huh. of these to me, where it's just kind of like you're trying to be too tidy about this or so, like you're not letting mm-hmm. these breathe. And for a poet, which she certainly has the flair and style of a poet many times in, throughout, she also, like, jumps and kind of goes too big, I think, at times, when it's like poetry, some of the joy of it is the scope can be really small and intimate, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, it feels like this lacks that, or she doesn't let it breathe enough, or let them, but I, it's just a different ambition or different project, I'm not sure. Th- this one, too, I look back at those interjections, and it's like, it just, the scope of it doesn't if you want to have this creepy background news story contrasting something, then make it contrast something more intimate instead of like a bunch of times jumping 30 years. Like, I don't, it just, I don't know. It just does not work for me. I don't, and a lot of the scope of this felt that way. It didn't, my, the back half of this question didn't really change my mind or mm-hmm. how I was reading, but anything yeah. else in that one you want to talk about? Uh, nope, I'm good. Did you enjoy the, the nonfiction the back and forth with it yeah i thought that the the structure of it was um was better organized and therefore easier to um kind of see the connections between like how she sees flamingos and how she sees herself mm-hmm. so i appreciated that um but yeah the the scope of her work for me doesn't bother me as much for whatever reason i don't know why i, I suppose it's just because I relate so much to some of her memories and her um, references to certain pop culture moments and stuff like that and, and being a woman as well and having some similar experiences. I, I guess I'm just a lot more forgiving <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, about no. how she's including these things. And I just I, I, I find so much joy reading the the descriptions of these animals and these these plants. Um, I don't. Well, I don't know if you would agree with this adjective, but I think in literary terms, this is how I feel, and maybe this is where the break is. This, or the writing in this, and kind of the idea scope of it, the execution, it feels. This is again in the literary sense. I don't think it's as negative as it will sound, but it, it feels very slight to me. Like this feels mm-hmm. like a kind of like a slight work, which if you really click with an author slight can feel like even more intimate and nice and kind of just like man this is what a good little hang it's like i don't need right. a i don't need your opus because like i just were so in tune 
uh, or we have the same wavelength that it's kind of like a slight work is almost really excellent. But then if you're not connecting, you're like, why does this exist, Eve? Like, I, right. I really thought that on a couple essays, again, that's harsh. She's, you know, well-acclaimed professional writer, so it's not like it's that. But it, there were a couple of these where I was like, why does this, why did you write this? Like, I don't. Yeah. And so I think when you're writing something a little slighter, or more toned down, or just like downshifted in gear or something, um, whatever metaphor you want to <laughs> pick, I said, uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, I think like it can, for me, feel like really baffling at times. But then if you're really, uh, to use the common parlance of the times, like just vibing out, then it's just like, man, this is great. What a great feeling to yeah. hang with this person I, I understand. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a clear split, probably. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about cassowaries. This is the next one I chose. This one opens with a murder. Uh, not really, though. It's more of an incidental death where a cassowary keeper or owner was killed by one of their animals. Um, cassowary is a big land bird. Uh, the author then transitions to a whole bunch of science. This one may be the most science-laden of all of them. Is there one that beats this, do you think? I don't think so. This one was, like, the most... I, I feel like it was just the most fact riddled and least yeah no surprise it was probably my favorite <laughs> this and dragon fruit i think stood out a ton um it's just a lot of science yeah i mean i'll summarize it but it, it's what it is there's physical characteristics she describes like the way they kind of echolocate more or less in a, in a forest their dwindling habitats their solitary nature so she tells us a lot about the birds she concludes by telling us about their they have a low level of communication or like it's hard to register the sound so humans can't even hear it it feels you more feel like a boom and that is a concept she'll return to later and kind of uses that as a I don't even know if it's a metaphor, synecdoche, I'm not really sure what the literary word, but she uses a recurring idea motif to like get humans to listen to nature more, basically, like a desire to reconnect with the natural world. So mm -hmm. this one, I think, I mean, the opening lines, I think I am just going to read the opening paragraph because I think just like in the first when she let herself kind of explain. I don't know. It, to me, it just feels like go wilder, go zanier, go more creative. The, these are simple edits. Like, I'd have to think harder to put the right adjectives to it. But it, it just feels like there's times when she really lets herself be creative with the science and the animal observation. But mm -hmm. then there's times when it's way more stripped down and just simplistic. Uh, and I like when she kind of goes bolder. Anyway, this is the opening. The gumball colored reds and blues of a cassowary's head and featherless neck can make you think of a carnival in the jungle, all festoon and hunt and um, bunting. It's comical from head to toe, really. The black feathers covering its body make a cassowary resemble a dark wig perched on a pair of reptilian legs. Its gaze with balloony caramel eyes can remind you of a six-year-old's drawing. Each of its curiously plodding footsteps makes it look like it's trying to remember a forgotten dance move. But don't underestimate the cassowary. It is one of the only birds on the planet ever known to kill a human. Yeah, it's just some of her strongest stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty clear personification and all, but the dance moves of it, the awkward jiltiness compared with the six-year-old's drawing kind of analogy metaphor. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. Yeah, like, and there's just so many well-chosen little bits of imagery in there. Uh, the color work, you know, the dark wig perched on, the gumball color, the, uh, yeah, it just, it kind of bounces, that paragraph bounces along from description to description. It feels almost whimsical, like she's really enjoying finding the right moment, the right description, the right combo to describe this thing. And I, I just don't think every paragraph in here is like this. And 
the moments when I feel like I felt this way that reading a paragraph like that is when she's really immersed in the nature and is just right. kind of like having a it feel it feels like my mood while reading it is like she's having such fun describing this it's like a teacher who really loves the material they get to teach and she's just kind of so jubilant it feels like about writing about this like weird bird I, I don't know yeah I was so appreciative of that opener and, and this chapter and it has basically nothing to do with her life frankly like it's this is another one where the connections are loose um, obviously she'll return to this boom um, idea later but yeah, it's also one that does not have a real strong direct connection. Yeah, I think that when she um, writes, if you look back at the previous essays as well, when she takes the the time to write about the physical aspects of what whatever animal or plant she is discussing, that's when she has the most descriptive language. Everything else is more... Mm, uh, I... I, I just don't know what other word to use. It's just like a sketches of, of whatever she's trying to, mm-hmm. to put out. But like when she is focused on the actual looks of the plant or the, the animal, it's, it's always beautifully done. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. been pretty consistent in this collection so far. And, um, it's weird. Like I actually know I, um, the Southern cassowary for some reason, I don't even remember why but I've read something about a southern cassowary and I was like what is that and I looked it up and then I learned that it had killed a man and because of the giant toenail or the nail thing so when I was reading <laughs> yeah. this I was like I actually know what this is <laughs> oh okay like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny so it's kind of funny <laughs> um but yeah I also enjoyed the the descriptions I think that they're great um I was just wondering, like, this one does seem to be, like, the oddball out, right? Like, there's no personal connection except for this feeling at the end, um, at the very end, where she just starts kind of getting philosophical almost. Um, We've had a lot more, not a whole lot more, but we've had more um, in the previous essays, um, more memories and um, ideas of what it was like to grow up. And yes. what it was like to, you know, um, what it's like to be a mom, a wife, a woman, and a person, um, a minority. But in this one, it's just a general, like, philosophy on the importance of nature. <laughs> Almost. So, I thought that was interesting. Which she does, of course, come back to. Um, but this one it was just so... I don't want to say impersonal because a person's personal philosophy and beliefs on on things is still a personal well, thing. Yeah, but it's not as like factual biographical. I guess would be the other. It's like right. not, it's not biographical. It's right. definitely it's, not. Yeah, I I don't know, and I feel like I just did this and probably do it again and again. Whatever. I don't want to ascribe <laughs> things to a work that it's not. But this, but this is in the collection, so I can at least say if the rest of it was like this, I would have liked this a thousand times more because I just Mm -hmm. think the rest of it just feels too jumpy muddled and like there were interesting little insights about family life growing up the as much as in part one maybe some of the metaphors or whatever didn't work for me it was just like it just doesn't feel focused and so seeing this I was just like she's the writer I thought she's the perfect writer to be like 
let's do a fun encyclopedia of cool science. And I was going to say to like get kids excited. Like, I don't think a kid would think this is exciting reading, but for like adults, <laughs> for adults who have, you know, veered from nature and have like fallen into modern, you know, uh, ig- ignoring habits of like ignoring nature and not connecting. It's just kind of like, won't, won't these excite you again? Won't they get you intrigued again about what's out there? So I don't know. I just, it's just like, this has felt really accomplished to me. And I thought, I was very intrigued by it. I also do think, like you said, it's an outlier. Um, yeah, but I of all the ones in this half, this was the only one I knew I had to pick. If you if you didn't, because it <laughs> was my favorite, I think in the collection. So I wanted to bring it up for that reason. But I, I just also was like, where is this? Where has this been? You know, there's glimpses in other one in other passages and essays, but this does feel different. The after reading this, is, it actually um, changed the way that I perceived the entire collection because originally I thought that this was just kind of like a a light memoir um, but after reading this I was like actually I, I, I think of this more now as not just a memoir I think of it as facets of her personality mm-hmm. and facets of who she is as a person so it's even broader than just a memoir it's a it's a it's a way of her explaining who she is as a person and how she relates those parts of herself to the world around her. Yeah. And it's, I don't want to say it feels academic because I think the writing is too fun and, and jubilant or something for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's obviously not trying to teach us science in the strictest sense, but more entertain us and teach along the way kind of a balance. Right. But anyway, but she is, it's worth saying, you know, she's a professor. We assume has a doctorate. She never says that, but I'm just assuming, um, And so, like, she has that academic background. I mean, I'm sure she teaches creative writing a lot, and so it might not be the most formalized academic work. But still, that's her her work life. That's her background. She's doing all kinds of workshops. And so it's just maybe this is the mode I just feel like she's better in. But, you know, then again, she's a trained poet. So I I don't know. I'm just – this one I really liked. It does, you know, put a strange light on some of the others for me, I guess, just because I Mm -hmm. wonder – maybe what the ambition was here or what the thesis was or what the, you know, the, the, the dock of like, here's my big idea. What am I doing here? I don't know. Yeah. This just felt different to me. Um, what about for your next one? This is the one that I alluded to earlier, I think. (laughs) So this one has the longest title. Um, (laughs) questions while searching for birds with my half white sons, age six and nine national Audubon bird count day, Oxford, um, Mississippi. Mm Mm-hmm. This is made up of a series of questions that the author's sons ask her as they are walking around counting the birds they see. These are um, include their range of questions from why birds look and act certain ways to questions about skin color to questions about whether there are people who will hurt children. So it's a wide range of questions because children are random. Um. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a this is an inclusion that only a parent could love. So take it away, Amanda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kids, how uh, weird, right? <laughs> Their tone, they have no tonal control. Oh. It's true. I mean, <laughs> my my daughter asked me one time if uh, she was like, why do dogs not have mouths? Why do they have to lick us to kiss us? And so I was talking to her about the difference between like being born a dog and you're just born that way. And she's like, why are we born human? 
And then I was like talking about DNA and stuff, and I was like, "You're you're three. Why am I talking uh-huh. to you about this?" <laughs> well, Charles Darwin. It all started. Yeah. We've adapted. Oh, we... <laughs> Because yeah, I don't want to lie to her, but like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like these are things you can't understand yet. Um, anyway, so in this one, um, which is just questions and 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 mm-hmm. there's her voice is not in this at all. Like she does not answer anything. The two right, boys, you right. can assume, you can you can infer some of the answers by the questions that are followed up and and the brothers' responses, but. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. I, I what I found the most interesting is the questions about race. Um, so, so they're talking about camouflage. Why do you have better camouflage than Daddy? Um, right now, I have medium camouflage. Will I be brown or white when I grow up? Why do some white people not like brown people? Don't worry, mommy. You can hide in the forest from those bad people. You have good camouflage. Can mm-hmm. I have good camouflage even though I'm half and half? And then they go on to talk about lockdown. So then there's also the question of mortality and fear that follows directly after talking about race, which is really interesting to me because um, at school we have to hide. So can I hide as well, even though I'm only half and half? At school we have to hide under our desk in case of bad people. We did that last week. So Mm -hmm. immediately they're thinking that skin color is somehow associated with the possibility of like violence and threat, even though they're how old six and nine, according to the title. Yeah. So yeah. I found that really interesting. And, and I love the innocence of the questions, but the deep um, implications that, that arise from those questions as well and the possible answers and how she can't, she doesn't yeah. give any answers because how do you answer something like that? Well, I will say that the question you just posed, I would love an exploration of. <laughs> I would love to dig into that as an adult. Uh, I mean, I don't have kids, so obviously it's all outsider for me. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. This, I think, works 0% for me. But the mm-hmm. one thing that comes through for sure, I totally agree. It's the kind of jumbled... I don't know what's a good analogy for this. Like it's you put marbles in a glass and shake them. Like that's how it feels like how, what a kid's brain is doing. <laughs> it just kind of a shake, <laughs> shook up random chaotic, you know, a, a conglomerate of things. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that to an extent, but it just felt like for parents only to kind of chuckle at. And then also, it's mm-hmm. obviously they're asking such serious things and have as you well tracked they've internalized such terrible things at such a young age so it's not it's not funny haha it's just kind of like geez how do you possibly deal with this i don't know yeah i i put literally no notes for this because i figured you'd cover (laughs) some of the interesting stuff and i would just kind of shrug i this is it's funny though i like this because it's so different and like yeah why not go for it this is a fun it's a collection of clearly pretty loose uh, pretty loose thesis pretty loose goals <laughs> um it obviously has a ton of thematic you know animal connections but it's just kind of like she's already clearly jumping around and kind of exploring different things freely so i was totally on board that this was here i will just say mm-hmm. that i reacted the least to this of anything in the collection um but that's fine i think it's like a short story collection right i always like a couple of interesting experimental duds because you never know when one of them will work for a reader so for this it was right. just kind of it was like yeah okay kids are unpredictable and they they have no tonal register of the world and, and, and topic so they just don't know what what to ask about and whatnot it was like okay but i don't know yeah it didn't didn't do much for me but that's okay 
Yeah, it, I I get that. It's it's kind of a, an odd thing in here, but it it does show. I think for me, what I also liked was it's like it ties back to her own in the first half when she's talking about more about her childhood um, growing mm-hmm. up feeling like an outsider and her kids are kind of outsiders too because they're half and half um, so they you know feel that they they don't belong in either one of those categories and which I can definitely <laughs> obviously uh, relate to but I, I just liked that that was um that was kind of like a callback to her own insecurities because of her race and stuff like that. No, definitely. I, I think her children end up being kind of a minor vector type for, uh, characters for her own contemplations. And rightfully enough, they're kids. They don't need to be involved or whatever, and they don't need to be fully developed characters, so to speak. But yeah, I, I guess those thematic connections are present, but I just, it just doesn't feel that deeply explored so i shrug again i don't know it's it feels so strange because i did so much hopefully fair and well explained criticism in the first half but it feels weird to dismiss such obviously important issues but i just like the writing dismisses it like the writing doesn't dig in so like well i i guess i'm just left to think like yeah this is like it it's like they have to deal with some really contrasting identity issues and there's really intense moments that will come from this but i just don't if that if the writing's not going to explore it in any depth then i guess i i also just it doesn't push me to do so either i'm just kind of like yeah okay (laughs) i don't know yeah it feels it feels weird and shallow to dismiss it like that but i i don't know i feel like i'm responding to what's there in a sense too but anyway uh, let's do. I just looked at this. I well, let's do your next one next, just because I did pick the final one in the collection. Sure. So okay. yeah, get us going with the birds of paradise here. Superb bird of paradise. That's right. Number one. <laughs> number one. Um, this essay focuses on the author's wedding, which was meant to be as fun and vibrant as everyone's clothes and and the decorations for the wedding as well. The DJ, however, uh, wasn't great at keeping people on the dance floor until. Macarena comes on. <laughs> um, suddenly, everyone is on the dance floor and having a good time. People of every hue, culture, and age. Um, and she finishes the essay with thoughts on the importance of dancing, of really having a good time, and being okay with dancing alone, which she encourages her sons to do, which is obviously a mm-hmm. metaphor. Like, yeah, yeah, do your own thing. Um, yeah, so I chose this one because I was like, oh man, Macarena. Wow. <laughs> that was, <laughs> what that a was time. like fifth grade for me, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a time so, to be alive. It's serious. Everybody knew that dance. Um, but uh, so I, I chose from page 137 the um, last paragraph. I mm-hmm. liked the last paragraph because it was like so uplifting and just like, yeah, man, just be yourself. It's great. And then the last couple of sentences, I was just kind of like, hmm. So I'll I'll read the sentences. Did you get into a groove, give it a whirl, keep someone on their toes or sweep them off their feet? If it's just you, never fear. It might take two to tango, but it only takes one to strut their stuff and shake their tail feathers even a little bit. I was just kind of like, oh, that's a little... Whirlwind of cliches there. It's exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and there's been a couple of times in some of these essays where she's, you know taken a cliche she's used a cliche and then she tries to spin it and make it um into uh, a something that she relates back to the animal or the plant that she was writing about in that essay but 
each time I'm just like, I don't know. It doesn't really work for me. I, I think it's just because I'm so allergic to just cliches in general, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except, well, of course, I use them, but like. <laughs> well, I think, but this is where this is where I take a firmer line or stance. Because with writing, you get the chance at edits, you know, most writing is just editing and it's just, that's where it's kind of, I'm sure we tonight have said dozens, uh, well, I don't know, (laughs) dozens of cliches, (laughs) but have said our share, but that's because when people speak and converse, it's a completely different interaction. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. writing, it has a craft. Now speech also can have that too and can be rehearsed. Obviously we do a conversation based podcast, so (laughs) we're not pre-scripting things in advance really. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I, it didn't shake me when I saw that line, just because at that point I was kind of used to some of her, I feel like she does try and wrap things up in a way that can be a little too heavy-handed at times. This felt like that, but with, like you noted well, a couple cliches. Let's let's do a different line, too, and see how this hits you, because this is when they play Macarena to get people excited about the dance on the dance floor. She says... But then something extraordinary happened. Not only did everyone take to the floor when the Macarena blasted over the speakers, but because of its interactive nature, everyone was dancing with each other. My husband's cousin from Western Kansas was facing my second uncle from India with outstretched hands. A distant cousin was shaking her hips, wrapped in a pink sari, at one of my best friends from grad school. My husband's grandparents popped um, their hands behind their heads alongside my dear Filipino friends from New York City, Joseph and Sarah. How did everyone know this dance? So... I don't know. As ter- in terms of kind of like a cultural melting pot moment, a real mixer, it's it's you know it's a little, it's a maybe a little bit too checklisty feeling. Kind of like let me just say the disparate places and check the boxes or something. It's like okay, mm-hmm. it's I don't think the writing is that engaging. But I, I have a question about the fundamental premise because her tone of surprise is surprising to me because this was like the biggest song in the world. So why are they dancing? It's because everyone knows it. Like, you already acknowledged this in your essay. The premise of this was you didn't want it played because it's so well-known. It's so overdone. But that means everybody knows it. So it's like, where's the bafflement here coming from? It's, I don't get the, I don't get the twist, the mental twist that she's pulling of like, how did this happen? What's going on? It's like, yeah, you're playing one of the most famous songs of the last 50 years. Like what? That's people know it. Therefore, they will dance. I don't like. I, I don't know. Did you, I guess maybe she was expecting them to like scoff or kind of laugh at the song and mock it because it's it's almost come full circle or it's halfway around the circle of just being in more of a cultural dead zone. But it, just the tone of that. It's see if I were editing this, I'd be like strip all that surprise tone stuff out and just like do explore more of the images of these friends. Like maybe go into a little more detail about some of them or their backgrounds or some of the visuals of the scene. I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of like, it just feels like the, again, I'm, I'm thinking of the focus and like what it's trying to accomplish with its sound and the voice of this. And I'm just like, I don't, I just don't know if the voice is in the place I would have expected or it's, it's just not connecting with me again. Mm-hmm. I think she was because the the point of her um getting or banning the song originally along with like the chicken dance I believe was yeah, a couple um, others. Yeah, was that it was just so like clichéd which is funny, but clichéd music choice for weddings. Um but what I what I liked about it like the for me <laughs> 
I, I knew that like the younger people wouldn't be would know it, but the the grandparents, like her husband, her new husband's grandparents were dancing. I thought that was kind of like it, well, okay, it, I would be surprised by that too. <laughs> it, well, and as she rightly notes, though, it's an infamous earworm. That's yeah. yeah, it was the biggest song in the world for like a year or something. You yeah. know, it's I, I don't know. It also it's funny too because she also notes in the next paragraph about how the music video is this really interesting artifact, this almost cultural amalgam of just all these peoples and formal wear. And it's like such a diverse, vibrant video, but it's kind of like, well, isn't your answer kind of in there too? It's like an international hit. It's like it meant for an international audience. Almost. It's easy to translate. It's really simple. And it's got this basic, you know, rhythm to it that works. And so it's just kind of, it just feels like she had answers to her own seeming shock kind of built in. And it was just kind of like, well, where's the, shock then i don't <laughs> i don't know again just another little slight disconnected i thought some of the observations about the friends and you know wedding stories have a baseline charm to them or something it was yeah i, I wasn't like moved or not by this essay but that's when when you picked it and i was like what am i going to talk about i just thought that was another moment where i just wasn't quite i just it, i don't think my brain was matching with her project at that moment of being like this isn't the voice i would have wanted like we're not quite focusing on the thing i would have thought we should or i don't know it's it's one of those disconnects again any any other thoughts jump out here though or any other things nope i'm good okay let's we'll conclude with the final one since it's what i pulled it's also the last one's firefly redux revisiting the fireflies it is the final essay in the collection as i mentioned it functions as a kind of thesis would you agree with that yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little bit late. <laughs> she goes against the academy there, against her training, and drops the thesis at the end. Um, though I don't, I think that's even debatable. But anyway, she writes about a few different topics here. The priority, though, is our meaning uh, humanity's waning connection to nature. She discusses these ecstasy-laden times that she spent on a property, um, a rented-out Mississippi property with her family. It's like very open. You can see the stars at night. No light pollution. Like her children wander around and explore the wilds and have this whimsical time and it's all very well and good um they they stay out late at night and just and just kind of envelop themselves in nature the essay concludes with some thoughts about what we're losing by disconnecting from the natural world um she invokes that boom idea again that motif comes back up of the cassowary bird to try and reinforce this idea of that we have to reach out and seek that connection more we have to try and feel the boom we have to kind of realign ourselves with nature i don't know if does that summary read true it's kind of a complex i don't know it's not the most complex idea but i want to make sure i wasn't misreading it either (laughs) yeah 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 i think it's correct let me pull I'll pull my thoughts on this one because I want to focus on an idea more than a piece of writing not not so much style more of just like an aside that she has obviously we have some scenes here for children really going wild and enjoying nature fully immersing themselves it sounds like your daughter has that kind of relationship too right she's down to you know wander the outsides right yeah, Sheila, and she's really in love with earth, earthworms right now. There we uh, go. So. See, she's finding, <laughs> she's discovering it all. But it there's a contrast here with some kids in a class. She's doing like a poetry thing in a class, and she talks about the difference between. She doesn't compare them to her kids, but we we can because they're both in the chapter. She never comes out and says they're not like my kids, but she, I mean, she does implicitly. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
it was indeed a sad day when I had to bring up a video online to prove to these kids that fireflies do indeed exist and to show what a field of them looks like at night. 17 students out of 22 had never seen a firefly, never even heard of them, never caught one to slide into an empty jam jar, never had one glow in their sweaty hands. This was in a suburban town where fireflies regularly cloud the edges of less frequented roads, and it's not just these children. The number of my students who can tell the difference between, say, a maple leaf and an oak leaf has dwindled in my college-level environmental writing classes too. This shared decrease in knowledge about the outdoors can't be a coincidence. And then she asked some questions like, what is lost when you grew up not knowing the names for different varieties of fireflies and kind of goes from there. I, I just, there's just so much to say here. <laughs> not only because do, do I have to really be the one uh, to leap to the defensive? Cause she, she does mention in there, like the kids are, have screen time, you know, they play video games and watch TV instead of going outside that that's, she doesn't pander, I would say, and doesn't lecture about that, but she mentions it, that it's that, that the kids interests are shifting and they don't spend that outdoor time. So anyway, I, I don't feel like that was too, she didn't like get on a soapbox in that. So I don't feel like I have to leap to the defense of this, but it just feels like, I, did you feel like this was a book, a collection where she reveled in childhood natural explorations? Because even when I think back on things like the narwhal or the corpse flower, like some of these were pretty forced and kind of half connections that she spun into full ideas. And then other ones were more from her adult. I just... If this is the thesis of like, not just that we have to help the the youth, but if the thesis is sort of like, we have to reach out and be more engaged, I just don't, it just felt odd to me because it was like, was this a memoir? Was this a nature appreciation? It's clearly both. I those are rhetorical questions, but Mm -hmm. I I suppose this ending really did push me finally to just be like, is it good at either? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's an arbitrary word, right? Arbitrary judgment. Why am I saying good or bad? It it can be neither, right? It doesn't have to be either. But I, I did leave that essay just thinking like, what, what was going on here? Like, what did I, what was the goal? What was what I was reading? I don't really know. It's, it did feel kind of jumbly. I get one last time. Could say that mm-hmm. fun word. And so, again, I don't think at the end she was like pressuring too much. And, and, and even if she got really, got a really strong tone of preachiness, it would be like, well, look, you didn't exactly construct a compelling, cohesive thing here for me to argue against. It's, so it's, I'm not even want to hold her to that standard, but it, um, I don't know. I know I just rambled, but I, I just, it was one final moment of kind of like, what was this? You know, what was the goal? I, it's, it's rather jumbly to me. Um, I don't, maybe do I require too much structure, man? Is that what we're learning? I'm like boring. <laughs> I'm like literarily boring. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Cause it, it was one final moment for me and her to just look at each other across the page and think like, we just want different things. I think from this book or something, I don't know. Yeah, this, um, I don't know, the, the, so for me, the conclusion of this, the, the last paragraph that begins on page 159, she is, is so definitely not soapboxy, so I agree with you on that, um, although she does clearly kind of, like, advise us that it is better to... Uh, be involved in nature and we we can see some of that stuff too when she's like mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the book in the first half of the book when she's writing about um her dad taking her out and like she and her sister learn how to hike, hike. And, and learn all these things and it's, it's like really nice and 
relationship. Can I inject with one real quick, just like bah, just real? You know, I, you know, yeah. how I love to just cut you off and say weird things, <laughs> interject weird things. But I have to though. That was that even a full essay though? It no. wasn't. It, that's where I'm like, what are we like? You could that could have been an essay if if you're kind of building, kind of. Again, I don't want to hold this up to like having a thesis. It's just not that. This is a much more loose thematic project instead of like an academic thesis thing but like if you know we're building to this idea kinda you couldn't have given that topic a full essay like why is that an aside then in a thing about something else I don't even it was kind of confused something about like kid abduction or I don't or you know it was just kind of <laughs> like why I, it was the stranger danger one yeah yeah and so it's just I once again I'm just kind of like what was what was this building from to I don't know Anyway, sorry. I know I just cut you off. No, it's it's fine. Um, yeah, she. But that's also like. Uh, so I'm going to read from page 159. Her her final thing for me. What a single firefly can do is this. It can light a memory I thought was long lost in roadsides overrun with Queen Anne's lace and goldenrod and a peach pie cooling in the window of a distant house. It might make me feel like I'm traveling again to a gathering of loved ones dining seaside on a Greek island listening to cicada song and a light wind rustling the mimosa trees. A single firefly might be the spark that sends us back to our grandmother's backyard to listen for whip poor calls and it goes on and on and on. So it's meant to be more nebulous I think. Like these memories that she's written about, these um, ideas that she's thrown into this book are meant to be unclear and meant to be Mm. full on nostalgic for her specifically. Yeah. um, Yeah. And doesn't need that clarification um, and, and that level of detail because these are her personal memories um, that she's just saying like these things can make me think of these other connections without feeling mm-hmm. the need to go in depth with that but I agree if, she, if her purpose was to really highlight that nature is important um, in terms of building relationships or in terms of creating a sense of self or something like that. She could have definitely built on that idea a little bit more clearly in her essays, but mm-hmm. I think that the the true thing for her, the true uh, thesis or purpose um, mm-hmm. based on, on this final than, yeah. paragraph is that nature to her is important and and what she thinks of as important for others and should be important for others um, because it is highly personal to the person's experience and so she just wanted to give some evidence of that in her own writing yeah yeah I I don't know. I, I feel like all my final thoughts are going to be those annoying editor type comments again instead of just <laughs> dealing with the work as it is because <laughs> it's yeah I, I do think I, I th- I was appreciative of some of the final images given to us here, like some of her final things to kind of think about and dwell on. And and the recurring boom idea with From the Cassowary, I even sort of enjoyed that, maybe a little overstated at the end or something, but I... I did like it, and I, I enjoyed the sort of non-judgmental but curiosity-pulling tone. I I don't know. I'll always remember, I think, from this one, some of the natural stuff and just less about her own background. But mm-hmm. we'll cover that in the rec, too. Don't want to ramble. Any final thoughts on that essay? 
Uh, nope, I'm good. Well, let's end with our usual segments then, Amanda. We will start with the quotes. I was going to say quotes for clarification. Wrong podcast. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, we're going to end with critical assistance first. This is where we each pull some kind of article or video or something that includes criticism of the work, a review maybe. I think we both pulled reviews from different sources. I went with a new source, so should I start this week? Yeah, do it. I pulled from, and I just learned this hilariously before the episode started, so I'm glad I did. This is from Orion Magazine. It is a book review of this book by Kavita Das, and crucially, I found out totally by accident that she is the poetry editor for that magazine, so... I guess take that with a grain of like this is a glowing oh. review so <laughs> who knows man like I know yeah I'm not suggesting anything as I know neither of these people professionally or personally so I don't know but I just thought I'd say that at least because I stumbled upon it anyway Orion Magazine I think is focused on like nature focused writing whether fictional or nonfiction. anyway and I'd never heard of it before this so it seems kind of cool a couple quotes I'll read here from the review Although her descriptions are filled with fascinating facts, what makes them come alive is Nezuka Matatil's obvious astonishment and affection, which comes through in the text. Yeah, I just, I wish it was more, I wish she just leaned into more natural astonishments, honestly. It's, it's, it feels so weird to say, but it's, does she, how about this? Does she feel astonished with her own life story? Mm, yeah. I guess not. I it, like it, when I put a, if I and this may be a false activity, but let me let my brain try and work it out. I guess if I put the paragraph about the cassowary up against a paragraph about like her mom moving jobs or her dad taking them hiking, like there's a difference in the writing in those to me, in the tone and the ex, in the creativity and the in the chances take it. Like I just I don't know. I do see the astonishment, but I just don't see it all the time in this collection, so I don't know. Um, next quote. Uh, Nizuka Matatil is an ideal guide on this journey through nature's treasures, because although she conveys her own deep curiosity and compassion for these plants and animals, her explorations never take on a stuffy professional tone, or professorial tone, sorry, professorial tone, which can make those who haven't had many experiences with the natural world feel excluded. It's clear that she, her desire is to foster the same love and wonder for the natural world that her Indian father and Filipino mother, who are avid gardeners, fostered in her. I think that reads true to me. I... I mean, it's always hard to tell because our listener base, I think, is just, I would hope if you're doing book clubs online, you know, that you're just more open-minded, I guess, and like curious and you'll read kind of whatever. <laughs> it's kind of our whole project anyway. And so, yeah, but it, I do think the tone struck was was a good one. And it, this is about as far from a textbook as you can be, which to me mm-hmm. is kind of ideal. You know, if yep. you can learn something with whimsy and fun and astonishment, like why not, right? That's kind of the dream tone. So I definitely agreed with that. It, Again, I'm left thinking as a reader, yeah, but just turn this into a nature book, please. And it would be such a fun <laughs> little journey. Like we can go on these little nature adventures together. Like I, I almost want to, you know, send the proposal to be like, let's get her a one year sabbatical so she can do some cool nature stuff and then write about <laughs> it. It's That's the book I want her to make, I guess. I don't know. Maybe again, I'm being absurd. Um, any other thoughts on that tone? I, I think you, you said it best. Yeah, it's the way that she writes her memories versus the way that she writes her uh, nature facts. It's definitely different. Even I noticed it. Um, The memory ones tend to be um, more almost like listing. I don't want to say listing. It's like less descriptive, way less descriptive Mm -hmm. and way less um, 
playful as far as um, some of the metaphors and similes that she would use. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. No, definitely. A couple more quotes. They're pretty brief. And I'll, I'll mention, I'm not cherry picking. Up until this point in the review, which is not super long, but longish, she had not mentioned the memoir stuff literally at all. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a glowing review, and I'm just reading it thinking, you're ignoring more than half the book, probably. <laughs> like, you, I don't know. I, again, I was left being like, man, am I like losing my marbles reading this book? I just don't know what's not working. Anyway, uh, conversely, the chapters that discuss plants and animals she hasn't seen up close or interacted with don't cast the same spell, and the connections and lessons she draws from them don't seem as resonant that's what i said in the first half of the book and i think that still holds up pretty well but the cassowary chapter calls that all into question like that i think is some of the straight up most interesting writing in the whole book and she has no connection to that animal yeah so i don't know like i agree with that sentence in the first half but then a couple of things in the second half are like, I don't know if that's even true. I, I'm not sure if that criticism I had holds up as much as I thought it would. It's something right. else. There's some other disconnect for me with, between the things I liked and responded to in this and didn't. But maybe one day I'll understand it. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on that? Do you agree? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think that we, you and I both had talked about it at the, at the first half that it was... Um, it was easier to enjoy the stories when there were clearer connections to some of her memories and and her recollections. But yeah, the cassowary one I also really enjoyed. Um, but it's it's a connection to her in a different way, which is her philosophy rather than her memories. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, 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 that's fair. <laughs> Final quote, again, it's a brief one. As we ponder what the world will look like after this moment, by the way, she wrote this review during the pandemic. So this moment um. being like COVID, being inside a lot, all that. Or And also she did acknowledge that a lot of people took COVID as a chance to go back outside, like, because it was the right. safe place. <laughs> right. Uh, like, I definitely have, my life has changed in that way, like, almost completely, because I stopped going to the gym and now I've gone to the park every day for like two years. So right. <laughs> anyway, um, an inspiring vision is one in which the creatures and plants is Zubitatil and animates are able to thrive and offer up their wonders to the next generation i just want to mention the generational part because i do think i mean given that final chapter essay it does feel like that was kind of the hope i don't know if that was communicated all the way through it's more of a kind of unstated goal implicit goal right but i did just want to bring it up because this uh, critic picked up on it too so yeah that that final paragraph definitely brings that home i think Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, a glowing review from a from a magazine she edits, just to be say that again. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, yeah, I, really almost no mentions of the memoir writing in there, truly. And I, yeah. I, I swear I did not cherry pick. Just go find it again. It's a Ryan Magazine review by Kavita Das. Like, I, I was just like, how can you write something so praiseworthy and ignore half this book it i just thought it was such a strange again i agreed with most of those quotes too but i i don't know it um i don't know it just felt odd to me so um the review that i chose actually did talk a little bit about uh the memoir aspect so yeah, yeah. um i chose from the new york times of course um and it's called a book about nature that is so there's an emphasis there, much more. And that's by James Rebanks. Um, mm-hmm. So 
he says, this charmingly illustrated collection of nature essays is more than it might appear to be at first glance. At its simplest, it is about 20 different natural phenomena ranging from peacocks to narwhals, corpse flowers to flamingos, dragon fruit to fireflies. The illustrations and title bring to mind those books many of us had as children that sought to capture the whole of creation ambitiously between two covers. And so I chose that. Um, I, I picked that out because I was like, "This." The reason that I chose the book is because of the cover. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a great it's cover, exactly. Yeah, it is, and it's. Um, and it did. It made me think of like, man, it's like a Nat Geo book or something like that. It was just you know, but mm-hmm. um, so vibrant and pretty and and interesting looking. So, how um, about this then? Because I, and I will ask this question in a way not to be an ass. This is a genuine question: Is the writing as vibrant as the cover? Um, I think in some aspects, yes. As far as like when she describes the animals and the plants, yes. Okay. So it delivered for you the promise of the cover? Um, in many ways, yes, it did. Okay. Yeah. I know it didn't for you, though. <laughs> I Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously. We've hashed this out over two hours of podcasting, so yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> but but I, I also look at the cover and think like, you didn't really try th- that. <laughs> it's like, there's no pictures of her family on the cover, are there? <laughs> or like, I don't, it just kind of, I don't know though. It, it just feels, uh, I, yeah, anyway, I think there are moments that feel like the cover for sure, you know, vibrant and interested and kind of, it's almost like a gorgeous tapestry of nature. I think that it'd be very fair to say, hopefully I highlighted some too, but that that feels like a lot of the book. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, uh, Rebanks goes on to say it is a beautiful, poetic, and powerful memoir about growing up as a brown girl in America in the 1980s, the child of a Filipina mother and a South Indian father. The nature in these essays consists of those wild or half-wild things that featured in her childhood, youth, and now adult life. Each story is a carefully crafted gem in which the personal and the natural history are woven together to create a loving portrait of her family. Mm. So I think he's being a little bit generous here, um, especially in the portrait of her family, because we get sketches of her family um, and we can feel that she loves her family very much because she does connect them to certain memories and and there's definitely a tone of admiration for her parents and stuff like that and um for her kids and her husband but i i feel like the writing itself there was no actual mm, evidence for that except for the Mm -hmm. occasional like yeah, he took us out to for a hike, and he taught us things that nobody else taught us, even though he was, like, exhausted, I'm sure, from having to work in um, the the NICU units and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I, find, I thought that he was being a bit generous. I, I mean, I would go way further. I think that's, like, a ridiculous <laughs> sentence. I, I, I think given... Here's the thing, too. There are, like, really powerful... And obviously a lot of memoirs that could become famous are sort of like too be- too bedraggled with like dire kind like you don't have to write a memoir just because your life had like an all-time turmoil, I guess is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to imply. Like I don't need torture and like horrific things for a memoir to be good. 
but like that sentence is like almost insulting to some of the great memoirs ever because this just doesn't feel that interested in it like i i just don't agree with that in any way i I think the memoir stuff in here is just fine i don't it's okay it feels like i don't know it doesn't even really feel like she worked through anything on the page in this memoir either like i don't i don't know i thought the development stuff and through the memoir was anyway I, i guess i'm just rambling but I don't know. Yeah, strong disagree. That's an incredibly <laughs> generous reading to me, but fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and the final thing that I pulled was, uh, the species that capture her attention have superpowers or functions that have helped her. Each story sheds light on who she was, who she now is, how she sees the world. And so a book that in less skillful and honest hands might have been yet another book about nature becomes something much richer and deeper. Anyone who ever felt small and shy, like they didn't quite fit in, will find a reflection in these thoughtful stories. Um... I think that it's true that each story sheds a light on who she is as a person, especially after reading Mm -hmm. um, the cassowary one, which is about her philosophy. I was like, okay, so this is less a memoir and more just like how nature reflects certain aspects of herself as a person. I agree with that. I, I think that that's what she was ultimately going for. Less so a memoir, but more so just revealing who she is as a person Mm -hmm. yeah i think i i mean let's ask the basic question i suppose like you did so well coming out of this do i know her know her well i think decently well you know like i I think yeah it's it is part enough memoir of course that i got a sense of who she was (sighs) but I, i don't know i mean like what's the best memoir you've read in recent years do you think i think educated probably was for a lot of people did you ever read that one yeah, I did. I read that a couple I mean, of years ago. And let, yeah. let's not do the thing I like to, which is compare and contrast a lot to analyze stuff. But let's let's do it briefly. Like, come on, you would put this in the same class as that? I, that's like a, almost a joke to me to do. Like, I don't, that's not even, they don't even seem interested in the same thing. I mean, I know this has memoir elements, but it's just like, to come out of both of those and be like, I know that person just as well, like, not even close to me. I don't, <laughs> it just feels weird to compare them even, so... But, you know, I, like we talked about earlier, it could be that when the writing is, is slight or in this case, maybe experimental or has m- multiple missions, I think you really have to hit a certain vibe wavelength with the author. And if you can, then you're in, you know, and it's just like I just clearly never got in. And I it's I tried. <laughs> I was really trying to get in and just could not get in. So that could be part of it, too. It could just be could be a me thing for sure. Yeah, I don't know. So, because I don't, I don't read a lot of memoirs. So it, I don't have. It's not like I have some rich literary history and, and knowledge to go back on. But I'm just thinking through some of the kind of personal, personal history writing I've encountered. Educated being the most recent, and I just think, I just can't even imagine comparing the depth of these two against each other. They're just very different in scope and, and focus. I don't know if you feel that. Maybe you d- don't feel. Maybe you feel like they are similar in, in ways, but. Um, not really, because Educated too was, um, was deeply personal to her and, and about her experience with her family in general, whereas this one, I think, is not just about her experiences with her family, although her family is what, I think, ultimately helped to keep her grounded and to keep her from, from 
really losing all confidence in herself um Mm -hmm. being a minority and everything like that and moving around and constantly having to make new friends um but i i yeah the this one is a lot broader as far as like it's this all the things that that make her who she is so some of the minority experiences some of the fears that are associated with being a woman in in current times the fears for her children um the the support she feels from her husband like all these things are what make her who she is but they're not as super specific as like um the writer's experience in and educated where it's like hyper focused on how this one um, like how her childhood just completely affected her life. So yeah. I think it's two totally different approaches to how mm-hmm. they want to share who they are as people. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think, I think we just said earlier, it was kind of like bio, biographical checklist or whatever. I have a great sense of her as a stylist. I think as like a professional adult, honestly, because of like, the way she picks topics, the kind of way she writes about intimacies and like the way she exalts in the natural world. Like I do feel like I know her really well, but not really Mm -hmm. about her life well, or, you know what I I don't know if that feels like a weird dichotomy, but I think we've hit upon it. And so it just feels like a, such a different thing. But then again, it's like, I feel like I know Toni Morrison really well because I've read three of her fictional books, but it's like, man, right. her, since her style pops so much and she has these recurring curiosities, I could. All, I also feel like I have a decent... I've never read any nonfiction by Toni Morrison except for maybe some speeches or essays. I've not like read a book or about her life or something, but I right. feel like I could venture a pretty good guess about what she believed and <laughs> it was like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's. I think you can infer a lot from an author's focuses and style and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, um, anyway, any other final thoughts before we do the Hall of Fame? No, I'm ready. All right, we'll wrap with our final quick segment here. We always like to induct one thing from the book into the Lightly Literary Hall of Fame. It can be big or small, doesn't matter. Um, do you want to go first, Amanda? You, I think uh, it's clear now you responded more positively. Why don't you throw yours in first? Um, yeah, I said um, digestible and fun presentation of nature facts. I am very similar. I just use different adjectives because <laughs> I also put uh, I put jubilant, admiring tone. I do think she almost is in awe of nature, astonishment, perhaps a great word in the title. And so mm-hmm. I do think her tone when approaching the natural world is pretty great. I would like to remember that tone and her yeah. kind of just general wonderment. She's a good guide, great guide even to the natural world. So put her up there yeah. with planet Earth, you know? <laughs> nice. I like it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, planet Earth. Earth, it's got obviously those incredibly specific tones of David Attenborough, and I think he's mm-hmm. you know an iconic narrator for a reason. But the, the actual words spoken in that are not restrained, but it's not poetic all the time. It's pretty like factual. With he has a little flair and flourish, but like let's let's let her write his next dialogue or what or, you know or his next narration, right? Do it. Like yeah, do that, it. I think is the, the combo <laughs> I'm dreaming of. <laughs> Any final thoughts on World of Wonders by Amy Nazugamatatil before we close out? Nope, I'm, I'm good. Excellent. Okay. Well, if you've listened this far, thanks so much as always for listening all the way through. We've been the Lightly Literary Podcast. If you found us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else, give us a rating recommendation. We really appreciate it, and it helps get the podcast noticed. Um, we have other episodes coming up in order. Amanda, do you want to tell them about them? 
Yep. Next up, we've got Slouching Toward Bethlehem by Joan Didion. Then we have MASH by Richard Hooker. And finally, we have The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. I think it is Haig, too. That one, we're going for mass appeal. That is blowing up on like all the so- book social media Facebook, the, the YouTube crew, the online people, the Instagram, like that's kind of like a book, online book community obsessed one. So if the Ooh. Midnight Library episodes don't get as famous as Amanda, then we'll never be. <laughs> <laughs> so that then we've said that before, but you know, once again, <laughs> once more into the breach. Um, and another essay collection weirdly coming up with Joan Didion. So that should be, I mean, that's going to be the contrast of contrast there. We'll see oh, yeah, how this compares definitely. against it. Yeah, so. I've started reading it and it is very different. <laughs> Indeed it is. Yes, we'll see both sides of it um excellent yeah and um we are at the lightly literary podcast i forgot to mention on facebook and instagram too so give us a follow there keep up with what we're doing we thank you as always for listening all the way through and until next time we'll see you between the pages